Greetings ladies and gents, and welcome to this video with the latest chapter for the web novel Fork This Life. Taken from the website Royal Road, the link will be down below. If you enjoy the story, please follow the link and support the author. If you'd like to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so listed down below. But the easiest and bestest and most awesomest way to do this would be to do the usual YouTube things. Follow, subscribe, like, and comment. Anyways, on the, to the forking story. A quick thank you to the T5 peeps. Bob the Dragon, Data Magnet, Cat Crab Lobster, Dark Machine, Try Again 95, Estrella the Dreamer, Mezik, Budic Joel, German Chemist, Casper Arnholtz, and Chaos to Must. Thank you very much. Chapter 47 of Gods and a Fork Sunday. It's almost fitting that I'm doing this today. Although, I don't think the day has the same meaning here as it did on Earth. Well, what little meaning it has these days. In front of me is a temple. It's a large, decorated building without being over the top. In every pillar, arch, and window, you can see the work and care that went into its construction. And most likely, the money. The front area is a place of worship, with many shrines dedicated to each god, most of them tended to by dedicated members of the clergy. Behind that are some rooms where other clergymen are tending to a few injured or ill people. Behind that are all small rooms, presumably where some of the clergy stay. And then a small training area where some paladins and young men and women are sparring and practicing magic. I float through the open door and move towards the unoccupied altar, one bearing the symbol of a mountain. The priest raises an eyebrow as he sees me approach, obviously unaccustomed to flying cutlery. This is an unusual sight, someone coming through a remote magic tool. You can think of that if you like. I have some questions about gods in general. Do you have some time? I ask. He nods, of course, ask away. I'm here to help. I'll be honest, I don't know much about the gods, so I'll start with something simple, I admit. All these shrines in here, is there one for every god? All the good ones, so to speak, and most of the more neutral gods. Those that might not get along with other gods exactly, but don't do any harm, the priest nods. The darker, the less friendly gods don't have a place here. Right, I say, understanding. So who decides who gets to have a shrine and who doesn't? Well, um, the gods themselves, I suppose, the priest muses. I've heard that any priest or devotee wanting to build a new temple gets handed a list from their god. If there were to be one missing, well, who would want to be the one who has to answer to a scorned god? But I've not heard of anything like that actually happening before. So, um, who can say? What sort of idiot would want to piss off a god? I asked rhetorically. Anyway, someone told me that the stars each represent a god. Is that all of them all sort of the same situation? Much the same, he says. But of course, those are built by gods themselves instead of us. The sun and moon? I continue the line of questions. The priest strokes his chin. I don't know if any god in particular created those. I've heard amongst other priests, although I can't say for sure whether it's said literally or symbolically, that the sun is a meeting place of the gods. 
I take a moment to take in what he told me and think about what I should ask next. Nothing much concrete so far, but in a sense, I hadn't expected anything of the sort. Alright, so going away from the sky, gods have aspects? I try to find the right words. Things they represent or something like that. I've heard of God of Death, Shields, Farming. That's right, most gods have a single skill thing, or even ideal that they represent. Sometimes they even overlap, like the gods of combat. Other gods have multiple. The priest gestures to the altar beside him. Stigander, the god I follow, is the god of adventure and exploration, of venturing into the unknown. He's often popular with, well, the adventurers and explorers. And, um, are gods with more aspects more powerful, I ask. His smile turns awkward. Well, who could say which gods are more or less powerful other than they themselves? It's not as if anyone has ever seen two gods fighting. You don't know anything at all, I say, with some disappointment. He scratches his cheek in embarrassment. Well, uh, I, uh, it's not something that's considered in good form to ask about. But if you must know, then very well. When people talk about powerful gods, they are usually referring to one of the older gods with one of the widest of aids. For example, the priest points across the room to another altar. Do you see that altar, the one with the symbol of a dagger? That is the altar of the god of death. People often pray to him at funerals. The anniversary of loved ones' deaths, after wars, Sometimes even just when one's livestock is sickly, which, put together, is very often. Hermenegild is probably one of the oldest and most powerful gods. Older gods? What do you mean by older? I ask, confused. I don't know. It's just how the gods refer to other gods sometimes, he shrugs. Maybe they just came into being earlier than the other gods. Death is a fact of life, after all. Always has been, more so than the domains of many other gods. Before magic, before war, before exploration and fishing and farming, there was life, and there was death. I asked some more questions, but while the priest provides quite a bit of information about their gods' ideals and personality, as to the specifics of the what's, where's, why's, and how's of the gods, he's almost as clueless as me. I think that's about all the questions I have, I conclude finally. Thanks for standing around and answering all my questions. I think it's helped me understand the gods better. You're welcome. I hope you come again. Though, I would appreciate it if next time your questions were a bit simpler, the priest admits. My apologies, sir, but sometimes questions burn within me, and you were the few that could answer them. I leave that reply unsaid, and head over to the altar of the god of death that he'd referred to earlier. This will be a long shot, to say the least, but at least the question of whether there will be any reply will stop lingering in my head. Do you mind telling your god, um, the fork asks why? I asked the priest in front of the altar. He sighs, all right, but I should let you know that he hardly replies to anyone, let alone the millionth person wanting to know why a loved one has passed. He closes his eyes, and a good minute passes in silence. Nothing, he shrugs finally. No worries, sir. Thanks for trying. With everything I wanted to do done, I leave the temple and return to the academy. I create a small flame and snuff it out. Create it again and snuff it out again. Create, destroy, 
on, off. The more I'm doing it out of habit while I'm thinking than any particular reason. Forming magic formations has almost become second nature at this point. Things are going well, I think. I'm getting closer to getting the Arius language to expert. My last base elemental language. Development of the next version of my eye is progressing gradually, and my understanding of several schools of magic increases by the day. And yet... Mana control, expert. High uncommon, passive, 99.47%. Your practice with magic has led to a great familiarity with handling mana. Maximum quantity of mana able to be controlled reliably, 100 mana. Minimum quantity of mana able to be controlled reliably, 0.2 mana. Mana control is stagnating. It's increasing, but incredibly slowly. I know master proficiency exists, and even that there's something beyond that. But at this rate, I'll practically take decades or more. In my expert mana control class, I recently learned mana sense and had hoped that it might be that push I needed. Mana sense advanced, low uncommon passive, 13.32%. You have gained familiarity with sensing the presence and flow of mana in the world around you, accuracy decreasing significantly with distance. No dice. It's certainly something different, a more instinctive than literal perception of mana. But it hasn't changed anything. I'm missing something. I know it. I can feel it. I just don't know what. My mind turns in circles, going over, going over everything I ever seen or heard about magic and mana, from magic missile to portals. I consider the latter for a while, intrigued about the meaning or method behind the twisting door in space, but fail to learn or perceive anything new from them. I sigh internally. I feel like hitting my head against the wall right now, but I don't think that it would do much to either me or the wall. Staring dumbly at the fire, I let my thoughts wander. I don't feel like doing anything in particular right now. The flames swirl, flicker, and bob, sway, and waver, my manner trickling slowly away. It dances in the heat as I look at it, through it, without seeing it. Not paying much attention at all, this is the most ordinary of magic flames. Oh, I'm an idiot, I mutter in realization as I refocus my vision of the fire, simultaneously scanning through some of my memories. Mana control expert has evolved into mana control master due to 100% efficiency. Mana control master mid-rare passive. Your practice with magic has led to an incredible familiarity with handling mana. Maximum quantity of mana able to be controlled reliably, 500 mana. Minimum quantity of mana able to be controlled reliably, 0.05 mana. You are capable of controlling ambient mana within time 0.01 meters. Although a bolt of triumph shoots through me as the message, I am more disappointed in myself that it took this long. I have an excellent understanding and control of mana, yes, but only in a vacuum, so to speak. Ironically, the reason it took me so long was that I focused too much on mana itself. I know how mana congregates and splits apart, how it flows in the air, which materials it flows through with difficulty or ease, but I hadn't spared a single thought before now as to how it might be impacted by other forms of energy. Does the mana conductivity of the material increase if heated? Does it decrease? What about if electricity is flowing through the material? What about if radiation is present? Sound waves, key, sigh, how do they all interact? 
as if a dam of possibilities has broken upon me. Whereas before I had no clue how to further my understanding of manner, now it feels as if there is too much. So many possibilities and questions to explore that my mind is overwhelmed. I laugh aloud, possibly traumatizing my roommates from the shock. Excitement and glee floods my mind as I consider where to go next. It really is true what they say. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. Understanding how manner interacts with different forms of energy will also deepen my understanding of those energies simultaneously. And rather conveniently, I'm uniquely capable of performing such experiments, possessing the ability to utilize mana, psi, and ki by myself. I can use spire magic, and there are resources available for me to learn ice and lightning magic as well. I don't doubt that there are some forms of energy I can't control, divide energy for one, or even know about. But for now, I have plenty to consider. I won't need to wonder how to improve in mana control for quite a while. I think. Mana control is the cornerstone of all magic, so this improvement, it's not insignificant. I'll be able to form and activate formations faster and control them better with less effort. And this new ability as well, before I would attract nearby mana passively, even actively through meditation. But now I can directly control ambient mana within half a meter of my body. Can I interfere with other spellcasters in this area? Form spells with ambient manner, perhaps. I'll have to see. Knowledge enough to explore for lifetimes. Can anyone truly discover it all? Ah, you're not going to say something? I, Alphadia, asks. Having been immersed in watching the sunset, the question causes me some confusion. Is there something to be said? Usually, by now, you would have asked me a favor or tried to buy me with gifts, she said, sighing. Or sweet talk me, or, well, something. Your life sure sounds like fun, I muse sarcastically. I hope you have some friends and family you can trust to speak to about these things, or that's a disaster waiting to happen. She looks at me strangely for a moment. And what of you? Normally rumors of one such as you would spread like wildfire, and yet they are few and far between. Do you speak to no one for yourself? There's a moment of silence, and I sigh. No... Not really. I try sometimes, but it's always been hard for me to trust people. No fault of theirs. My head's just never been screwed on right. Nobody? Surely there must be someone you can fight in. A family member? Close friend? She asks with some surprise. Um, yes, um, forks are well known for the large families. I remember well the time my sister, the T-Fork, danced with my cousin, the Splade. Such a scandal, I say sarcastically. No. The only person like that would be Ferdinand, adventurer friend of mine. We were separated somewhat abruptly. Do you mind if I ask what happened? She asks curiously. Sure, I reply easily. We were working together with some paladins and priests. There was a necromancer who was basically being mind-controlled, and one thing led to another. Turned out there was a demon involved, and I realized that there was a portal to hell in the castle. Said demon had just left through it, and I was worried that there were other portals. So I followed it through, I destroyed them. Obviously, that left me stuck in hell. Hell? That is to say, the fabled land of hellfire, demons, and death. Then, how did you escape that place? She asked, surprised. Luck, pretty much. Didn't know anything about hell going into it, other than there were demons there, and it's a bad place. Once I was there, I had no clue how to get out. 
Thinking back, I really should have just killed the demon that created the portals, then destroyed the last one from the outside of hell. I sigh. I wandered around for a little while, stuck near the demon city for a bit, hoping to hear a way to leave. Nothing. Then, well, do you know about Drea? Drea? Vadia muses. The space magic teacher that is in and out of the academy sometimes. That's the one. When he's not here, he travels to different worlds, I explain. He had the misfortune of being in hell at the time, too. Guess he didn't have anything to eat with, so he tried to summon a fork. Everything from there was pretty straightforward. Her eyebrows furrowed. Of all things, and all places, what are the chances of such a thing occurring? What are the chances that you were born as a royal instead of one of the quadrillions of insects that crawl on or under the earth? I reply simply. Stuff like that happens sometimes. You can only thank your lucky stars when it works in your favor. Looking out over the moonlit ocean atop the lonely mountaintop, Vadia speaks a name. Savoy. Tilting her head upwards to look at the sky, she watches as a dot quickly grows in size to form a man landing softly nearby with a gentle gust of wind. With a deep bow, he asks, Lady Vadia, is there anything that you needed? Nodding slightly, she replies, is it possible to confirm if there's any truth to anything that he said? His Grace, your father, already ordered us to investigate him, actually. Savoy inclines his head, causing Fadia to let out a small sigh. We couldn't find out much about him, unusually, and before his enrollment at the Academy, nothing at all. We were actually able to confirm that when he enrolled, he was accompanied by the Master of Space Mage, Drea. It is impossible for us to confirm if he came from hell before that. But I think it is possible, even likely, that he came from another world. Vardia nods thoughtfully. That does lend some credence to his words, at least. Thank you for your good work as always, Savoy. Savoy bows. A pleasure, Lady Vardia. In addition, I thought, if I may. At Vardia's nod, he continues. With his grace's permission, we could include the truth seer amongst the ground team. Well, I doubt that his grace would be eager to spare one to join my team permanently. Your term assignment ought to be no problem. Vadia nods slowly. Yes, that sounds like an excellent idea. You have my permission to contact Father about this. Bowing once again, Savoy launches into the air. It would be nice to know that someone isn't lying to get close to me. For once, Vadia mutters, looking gloomily at the moon. Ah! It's finished my masterpiece, I exclaim. No, um, you're finally done with the idle thingamajig. One of the roommates come over. What? Of course not, I reply in the negative. But you just said I was being theatrical. Moment ruined now. Many thanks, I huff. He scratches his head. I'm kidding. Relax. Anyway, yeah, I've finished the design of my second prototype for my artificial eye magic tool. Theoretically, it should work. I say happily. He walks over and looks at the blueprints for a moment before shaking his head. So, what's the difference between this one and the first one? He said something about waves of light, but I don't get it at all. Well, um, if I had to explain it simply, this isn't exactly correct. But compared to the previous eye I made, the one I'm currently using, this new one will have a toggle on it, as well as normal vision. I'll be able to switch on heat vision, I explain with Renish. Heat vision? He tilts his head, so you'll be able to see heat. Can't quite picture what that'll be like. What sort of uses would it have? 
It'll be like anything with any heat is a light source. The hotter, the brighter. I'd be able to tell roughly how hot something is without having to touch it. Not that I'd be able to tell from that. But you know what I mean. I say, fastidiously. It means I'll be able to see people in the dark, even if they're wearing clothes that would make them hard to see. Even if someone is invisible, depending on how it's done, I'll be able to see right through it. Seriously? Just like that? You can see through invisibility, he gasps. As I said, it depends on how it's done. I verbally shrug. If the person who developed the spell is aware of it, it's an easy fix. Even some animals have the same ability, you know. Fact of the matter is no method of stealth is perfect. No shield can be bypassed. You just gotta manage what you can. He rolls his eyes. You say that, but not everyone is here to learn how to fight. Perhaps not. But personally, I think everyone should learn at least some basics. Something that they can use defensively or offensively, I say. Even if you don't go looking for fights, some will come looking for you eventually. And if that happens, you don't want to be fish out of water. Maybe. Anyway, I've got to get started actually making this now. See you later. See ya. A string of curses greets me as I enter the workshop. God damn! Why does this thing have to be so fucking complicated? I mean, I know why, but fuck, this is ridiculous. The guy bangs his fist on the bench in frustration. Um, you're right there, mate, I can't help but say, noting that he's the only person in the workshop for a moment. Clearly, not expecting anyone to be here, he jumps in shock. Ah, oh, yeah, fine, fine, just harder than I was expecting, you know. Really need to figure this thing out soon. Want me to take a look? I offer. A second pair of eyes could offer a new perspective. Ah, oh, no, 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 that's fine, he stabbers, flustered. He seems to think for a moment and says, Need to get it done on my own. If the professor thinks I cheated, I'd be a whole lot of trouble, right? Right, I agree, somewhat perplexed. Miss Shite, put the stuff down on the bench, thanks. I start working on the magic eye, part two but I can't help but pay a bit of attention to the frustrated artificer behind me. The guy is weirding me out a bit. I get being so engrossed in your work to not pay attention to the world around you, but his excuse for not letting me help him was uh, questionable at best. Sure, you don't want to get caught cheating, but there's no harm in getting a second opinion or a bit of advice. Still, I can't afford to spare much attention to the guy. I want to make sure that I don't make any mistakes here. To say that I'm a bit excited for this work would probably be an understatement. In fact, so long as this works, it means that I'll be able to try and sell the one I'm currently using and start getting a welcome bit of income. Money makes the world go round. Well, perhaps not literally, but it is important. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.